Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good Saturday morning to you here in the city of Seattle. And it's in Byron's. It is Drive Time Radio. We come to you live and in living color. And, you know, I used to say that kind of as a joke, but now, look, we are live and in living color here on uh, the Drive Time Radio International Network. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're on, of course, 1150 KKNW in the Northwest, where everybody can pick us up in just plain old over-the-air radio. We're on Facebook, on Facebook Live at Drive Time Radio and uh, my own personal page, and we're open to the public. So everybody can uh, watch and call your friends and say, hey, Vinny is on the air. Listen to him talk about cars. And we welcome you and thank you for joining us. Nathan, the producer, is with us. Good morning, Nathan. How are you? Good morning. It's been a good week. A little bit rainy out there right now. All of those (laughs) are drools who all week said, I can't wait until the rain comes back. Oh, my God, the sun is killed. Oh, I hate that, you know. Well, they got their wish this morning. Everybody, all of your drools, as we say in Italian, the people who uh, who can't enjoy the uh, the moment, the enjoyment, are uh, are now um, happy this morning. And that's okay because the world is a beautiful place and everybody should be happy every once in a while. So you have your, uh, your gray skies and your rain back. But yes, Nathan, it was a beautiful week, wasn't it? I mean... It was a sunroof open, hanging out at night to fire up the barbecue weather. Oh, man, I heard that we had more sunny days in a row than we did in the entire last summer. (laughs) It seemed like we haven't seen a single cloud in the sky since was like April 10th or something like that. Yeah, it was it was really, uh, really kind of neat, actually, because, uh, you know, uh, my um, my good friend Bill Kizarba calls it uh, bonus time. Mm. We're getting bonus time because usually. You don't get a week like that until, um, if at all, not until after July 4th at the very least. And it was great cruising weather. If uh, if you took your car out, you know, that, that these are the kind of days where if you have that collector's car or that car that you don't take out in the rain or the, uh, the bad weather, all of a sudden you see this and you go, wow, and you run down the garage, you take the cover off, you roll it out, you wax it up, you wash it, you... You take it out for a cruise again, bonus time, and uh, it's uh, it's always a good thing. Always uh, nice to get the car out of the garage and go cruising uh, here in Edmonds, where the uh, Esperance Media Studios are located. Uh, that we do the show from. We got a chance to uh, uh, to go down to uh, you know there's a street that borders uh, the beach here, and it's a popular uh, at night cruising street. And uh, through the pandemic, it was closed. You couldn't, um, you know, you couldn't, the the police closed it. So it would be just a walking street instead of a cruising street. So far this year, they have not closed it. Uh, So cars can cruise down and you just see the the collection of cool cars uh, that come from Edmonds and Linwood and, you know, North Seattle and, uh, you know, there's a regular cruising route. One of these nights, I'm just going to go out. We're going to do the whole show from there. Uh, I'm going to go out and, and convince somebody with a really cool car, unless I get a really cool car to go out and, and um, you know, just follow the circuit along a little bit. I mean, it really kind of goes from Dick's on, um, on Highway 99 up here by the Winco and goes down to the... Uh, you know, to the uh, 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 um, Sunset Drivers. That's right. I'm, excuse me. And cruises up, I guess, and it comes back around. But it's it's kind of a neat. It's the last gasp of something uh, that's uh, been a, a tradition in many, many cities for many, many, many years. And I'll, you know, I, I don't know if I'll be here to see it, but I'll really be interested in seeing how that continues with electric cars and hybrid cars, if that if that scene actually continues, because there are going to be some pretty groovy electric cars coming out. There are out already, and it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see 
if the electric car crowd, which we all will be eventually, will continue on with those traditions and that tradition of cruising, or it'll just be left to uh, internal combustion engines. Speaking about um, electric cars and hybrids, coming up uh, in just a few minutes, Jamie Page Deaton will join us. She is uh, uh, one of the automotive editors at U.S. News and World Report. So we often use uh, U.S. News and World Report uh, their reviews uh, in figuring out our reviews as well. We kind of all look at each other's reviews, really, uh, when it comes down to it. Um, and and they do a great job of giving you prime information quickly. And we will talk to her. Uh, she wrote a, a U.S. News and World Report came out with their top um, electric and hybrids this week in honor of Earth Day uh, that uh, was on the 22nd. And it was really um, a spectacular list of cars. It gives you a good guidance as to where to start in this ever-changing dynamic, although there are so many cars, uh, electric cars coming out from the manufacturers that it'll be interesting to me to see what this list looks like, never mind next year, but in six months. I mean, that's how fast these cars are coming along. Speaking about electric cars, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Darwin Awards. You know what the Darwin Awards are? The, the Darwin Awards are the awards that are given out every year to people who find creative and uh, more uh, insane ways to off themselves. Uh, it's the stupidest of the stupid. It's people who really, I remember I, I got peaked with the Darwin Awards uh, one year, many years ago, many, many years ago. Uh, they had this um, guy who won the award by strapping a jet engine to his 72 Impala and firing up the jet engine out in the desert where he thought he would do no harm and didn't take into accounting that at some point <laughs> that jet engine is going to make the car leave the ground. And uh, the result for him was not really uh, well, good, and that's how he wound up uh, winning the uh, Darwin Award for that year. He strapped that engine, and a car just uh, a la Wiley Coyote went right into a rock in the desert, and he was killed. And, you know, it's sad when anybody gets killed, but when they bring upon their own destruction in, by doing something stupid, um, sometimes, you know, it's the thinning of the herd. And this week we have just such an incident. Sorry, I wanted to change it to Superman. Um, we had a, a, a couple of guys down in Spring, Texas, and I happen to know exactly where this happened. It's a it's a suburb outside of Houston. My mother-in-law used to live in this in this area. It's called the Woodlands uh, in Spring, Texas, and it's uh, a, you know kind of nice development, well to do. A uh, very, uh, you know, gated community and everything like that. And these guys decided that they were going to test out their Tesla autopilot, which uh, apparently allows you to drive the car with nobody in the driver's seat. Or at the very least, that's what many people are saying. Consumer Reports did a test on this thing and showed that you can, in fact, drive the Tesla without anybody in the driver's seat. Well, anyway, these two clowns, and they're not young guys. I mean, one was like 65 and the other was like 59, decided that one would get in the back seat, the other guy would get in the passenger seat, and they would drive around the woodlands, uh, you know, let the Tesla just drive them around. I don't know if they were drunk, if it was a party trip. Who knows why they did this? Who knows why people do anything sometimes, but they decided it would be a fun thing to do. So one guy's in the back seat, the other guy, from what they can tell by the the, um, the scorched remains, uh, it was in the uh, passenger seat and they put the car on autopilot. There's a way you can do it. I'm not going to tell you, but there's a way that you can make the car drive apparently. And um, they took off and the car took off and it didn't autopilot like it was supposed to. And it hit a tree and burst into flames and incinerated both of these guys. And, you know, again, hard to feel any kind of sympathy. If you're doing something like that, uh, you're a numbskull. 
you're putting other people's lives in danger. And so if you pay that price, I, I, I feel bad for their families. I feel bad for uh, certainly for the firefighters who had to be subjected to that, and the policemen who had to be su- subjected to that, but nobody to blame but yourselves. Thank God they didn't hurt anybody or kill anybody in the process of playing their game. So, uh, and of course, uh, Elon Musk from Tesla is uh, all over Twitter. He won't talk to the media, and he doesn't have the nerve to talk to the media except when it serves him. Uh, but it uh, it was interesting to me that uh, you know that, that that he tweeted that well it couldn't do that it couldn't uh, there's no possible way it's just not, and yet you know Consumer Reports with a couple of rolls of duct tape and a chain uh, was able to defeat the system. So if you see a Tesla coming down your block uh, with nobody in the driver's seats because you know there's going to be nitwits down that are going to try to do that to see if they can duplicate it. Consumer Reports did theirs on a track, on a closed track in upstate New York. Uh, there will be many people that will try that. So that uh, that being said, let's quickly uh, talk to Nathan about uh, one of my favorite segments of the show. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? Oh, Nathan. Nathan, what am I driving this week? Well, I'm actually sitting in what I'm driving this week. I'm driving the uh, 2021 Chevrolet Trailblazer Active. And um, you may remember that I drove an active, uh, not an active, a Trailblazer a few months ago. Actually kind of liked it. Thought that Chevy was uh, found a nice place with this uh, vehicle where it was roomy. It was uh, for the price point, uh, I think a good value. The active, and it's not their top of the line. There's one above it, but the active and some components that if you really truly are thinking about going off-road with this thing, taking it up into the woods or to the stream or anything like that, it adds some components for a few thousand dollars uh, that uh, a better suspension, uh, skid plates, and things that you probably should have on the car if you are going to load it up with camping equipment and take off. You also see, as a uh, as I sit here, uh, very roomy for sleeping a couple of people. So if you're going car camping, you're in the right place uh, with this car. So we'll have a full review on it, but uh, the Chevrolet at Trailblazer Active is what I am driving this week. And, uh, you know, as uh, these smaller SUVs go, I, I like this one. It's This one is built in South Korea, and it has a three-cylinder engine. But this particular one has not the CVT, but the automatic transmission, which I am always going to tell you to buy over a CVT, except in some very rare cases uh, do they get the CVT right. But uh, I think Subaru is somebody that's gotten their CVT right. But I love, I still love the, the feel of shifting the transmission. And in the uh, Chevrolet Trailblazer Active, uh, in that particular model, you get that. Okay, so that is what I'm driving this week. Coming up, we got the cartoon. Coming up, we will uh, delve into the SUV I drove last week, uh, the Mercedes-Benz, which I almost did a full review of last week, but we'll add on some notes uh, toward the end of the show with the road test. And coming up next, we will converse with Jamie Page Deaton from U.S. News and World Reports, talk about the environmentally conscious cars of the day. It's Drive Time Radio here on 1150 KKNW. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. 
Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com. All right, there we go. Electric Car, one of my favorite tunes by They Might Be Giants. Uh, don't forget, we will have, uh, if, if you're interested in a song about a U-turn, yes, uh, I found in my, in my ever-ending search to find great baseball songs and great car songs, uh, we have found a song about uh, making a U-turn. Believe it or not, and we'll have that coming up for you a little bit later in the show. It's time now to uh, spend a couple of minutes with one of my favorite uh, car critics, car reviewers, people who keep an eye on the automotive scene. Jamie Page Deaton joins us from U.S. News and World Report. Jamie, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, it's raining in Seattle again. So all of those people who are upset about the sun, they're, they're all back in their houses now and the rain people are back out. And that's, uh, uh, if you've ever spent any time here, you know that that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Keeps the vampires away. Exactly. <laughs> Keeps the vampires happy, like I guess. 4,000 market for sun uh, sunblock is, uh, is Seattle. <laughs> uh, let's, you, uh, your um, uh, website and magazine, U.S. News and World Report, put a very interesting uh, um, list together uh, for... Earth Day, which was the 22nd, uh, about uh, cars uh, that uh, are your best electric cars and hybrids uh, that are out there right now. And let me start by asking you, um, it, it doesn't seem right now, hybrids are getting traction, but it doesn't seem yet that electric cars are getting traction with buyers. It's still an infinitesimal number, although it is growing because the choices are growing. Uh, as you as you compile this list, as you looked at people, did you start to see that there's more interest, uh, more acceptance of these cars? Well, you know, there's there's still you know electric cars and even electrified cars, so hybrids as well as pure EVs. There's still less than two percent of sales of new cars, so consumer interest is there at kind of a high level. But when it comes time to buy, you know, people get kind of worried about with an EV, especially like, how is this going to impact my life? How is this going to change how I drive? Am I going to have to make a lot of compromises with this? And so as we were pulling this list together, what we really focused on for these awards were for the EVs and the plug-in hybrids and, you know, the hybrids as well. These are cars that are not really going to have to change your lifestyle too much. So we looked for cars with um, on the EVs, really strong range, affordable, um, a pleasure to own. So they get good reviews from automotive reviewers. And we looked at charging time on a level two charger because you don't really want to have an EV where, you know, if you're plugging in at home, it's going to take, you know, 25 hours to get up to, you know, right. to get up to 80%. So we really were looking for cars where it's not that much of a change because I think there's a little bit of consumer hesitancy. You know, is this going to drive like a golf cart? Am I going to spend all my time looking for a charging station? Um, and, you know, am I not going to be able to drive it cross country or on my road trips? Um, and, you know, it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing with electric cars because the infrastructure and charging networks, they're growing. They're just not there yet. You know, I think around where you are in Seattle, there's a very robust charging network. Um, kind of where I am, I'm in DC, there's a decent charging network. Um, you can get kind of places, but honestly, um, so, you know, like I go to South Carolina every summer with my family. The drive from DC to South Carolina, the charging network is Thin. Like we would need to have, you know, a gas car in order to make that trip, or at yeah. least in order to make it not have it take an extra six hours because of charging. So these awards are really looking at though, you know, when, when you, when you have access to at-home charging and, you know, you don't want to spend a whole lot of time waiting for your car to juice up. These are the cars that are going to um, work out really well for you. Jimmy Page Deaton from U.S. News and World Report uh, Autos is with us. Um, what went into, uh, besides obviously the charging, which is really out of a lot of people's hands until the um, infrastructure is built better, so you have to deal with what you're dealing in 2021, 2022, what, um, what went into determining which ones were at the top of the heap? So we looked at a couple of factors. First, we looked at price. Um, we wanted to make sure that these are relatively affordable. Um, and obviously with like EVs and hybrids, they do tend to be a, you know more expensive than gasoline powered cars, but we wanted to take affordability into account. Um, we looked at range, we looked at charging time, and then we looked at quality. And the way that we measured quality was um, the car's overall score in our car rankings. And our car rankings, which are updated all the time, you can see them at usnews.com slash cars. Um, they look, they 
they, they look at the collective opinion of the automotive press. So we go and we get every published incredible review of a car and we look at those reviews. We translate what the critics are saying into numerical scores for things like interior and performance. Um, and then we add hard data from JD Power and reliability and then crash test data and available safety features. And that gives us a really good measure of, all right, what do the experts in the automotive industry think of this car? So for these, you know, the EVs and the hybrids though, you know, we took that overall score, combined it with range, charging time at level to 80% at a level two charger. Um, and then we also, you know, for, for breaking ties and things like that, because it does happen within the data, we looked at things like, um, did they use sustainable materials in other parts of the car? So for example, um, you know, the Hyundai Ioniq, which is the best hybrid car um, and also the best plug-in hybrid car, you know, for us, like they use um, sustainable seat fabrics that are made with sugar cane. Um, so it's a little bit, you know, they, they went a little bit of the extra mile in, in thinking about sustainability, you know, and going beyond the powertrain there. You know, you know, well, you, you just brought up two things. I'll take the, the second first. You talked about uh, Hyundai using the sugar cane, which I think if you can use sustainable materials to build the car, I think that's fantastic. But we're also now seeing a situation where rodents are eating <laughs> into the wiring harnesses because the wiring harnesses are, are made out of soy. I guess the covers of the wiring uh, the harnesses um, are manufacturers. I mean, obviously, they must have taken that into account when they thought this out, didn't they? I don't know. I mean, and just to be clear, too, like the rodents and the soy and the and the wiring harnesses, like that happens with um, you know just gas cars anyway. Like it's it's that's a problem throughout the industry, right? And right. So, but it's just like uh, I think it's just one of those you know the law of unintended consequences, right? You try and do a good thing. And there are going to be things that you aren't going to know are going to happen. And one of those things is going to be rodents are going to find these things super duper tasty. So you know what? Just, you know, don't store bird seed in your garage. Don't store your dog food in your garage and you'll be good to go. Oh, man. You, you, I, I just now have this when you when you talked about the sugar cane in the seats. I have this 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 picture in my mind of a kid in a car seat and the kids acting up and the mama is telling or the father is telling the kids lick the seat lick the seat you'll be okay <laughs> Tell me candy no i mean there, i've definitely been in the ionic and like thought to myself i wonder if this seat is sweet like i haven't licked it i'm just going to be on record <laughs> to say i've never licked a car seat but um it's definitely been a thought and kind of like if you park it in the sun will it start to smell like cotton candy you know that kind of hot sugar smell <laughs> But uh, that's something I think, you know, go out, get an Ionic and uh, see see if it works for you there. I have one coming. I'm actually, now you've piqued my interest. Now when I get it, I'm going to say, the first thing I'm going to do is go out and lick the seat. Well, and the other thing you can say, as you're driving it, you can just tell people, hey, I got a real sweet ride here. So, Or you can, of course, play My Boy Lollipop a million times. On <laughs> there you the, go. On your uh, car radio and you'd be great. Uh, so which, let's talk a little bit about the cost. I did notice one thing and I wanted to ask you about it. I didn't see the Mustang. I didn't see uh, there was another uh, vehicle on there, uh, uh, upcoming electric vehicle. And I didn't see it. Now, are these just cars you can walk into the showroom and buy, uh, especially in the case of the, uh, the Mach-E. Why didn't we see that on the list? Well, so to in order to be scored for us um, and due to be part of this, um, it has to be um, in our rankings. And so at the time that we did the scoring, we didn't have enough data on the Mach-E to give it an overall score um, within our rankings. Now we do. If you go on the site, you'll see the Mach-E is really highly ranked. But when we did the data for the awards, which we have to do about you know six weeks ahead of time, it wasn't in there. And so we were unable to um, include it in to include it um, as part of the award scoring. But it'll be there next year um, for of sure. Course, nobody from Ford called you about that, right? Uh, no, nobody from <laughs> Ford called me about it. But I'm pretty sure you know if, if next year I'll be here from them but it is yeah. i mean it's it, it is kind of interesting too because um you know like i said we bring price into account right and so the best ev this year um you know for the awards was the chevrolet bolt which is just a great car um and it is also you know it's it's not as much fun to drive as the mustang um it's got you know a slightly longer range um than the mustang does actually um but you know the mustang you know the mach -E starts at you know about forty three thousand dollars and the bolt starts at about you know thirty six five um and so you like with that you know difference in range and it's a small difference i mean it's like 30 miles but with right. the difference in range and the difference in price like the maki -E is going to need to have just a phenomenal you know overall score in order to overtake the bolt because the bolt right now i mean you're getting you know 259 miles of electric range um you're getting it at a really affordable price and that's a price before any type of incentives or rebates you know that you might get you know from the feds or your or your local government um and so it and it's also i mean the bolt i just feel like is one of those evs that just doesn't 
doesn't get its due. Um, it's not as pretty, it's not as sexy as the as the Maki is, um, but it drives great. It's a great urban, you know, zippy car. I mean, that the seating position is great. You've got great outward visibility. It's comfortable. Um, so it's one of those cars. It's kind of like I feel like the unsung hero of EVs, and I realize that's ironic to say as I'm giving it an award. But it's just I think it flies under a lot of um, you know EV fans' radar, and it just doesn't get its due for being as good as it is. I've driven them three times uh, for a week at a clip, uh, once in um, um, in New York City and twice out here. And, and I'm here to tell you that I thought it was better, really, dollar for dollar. You know, one of, my, one of the criteria I use when I'm ranking cars, looking at cars, is does it do the job it was intended to do? Uh, you, you know, which I think all of us look at. You know, if, if it's a sports car... You know, does it give you that feeling? If it's an electric car, does it give you a good range and, and is comfortable and seamless to operate? And I just, the bulk really just blew me away. The first one I drove, the second one I drove, the one I drove here not too long ago. Uh, you know, don't factor in the charging stations for a second. Just factor in the drivability, uh, you know, the handling, uh, the convenience, everything, uh, the looks, you know, I think it's a good looking car. I mean, people will tell you, well, I think it's kind of, I think it's a, a great looking car and dollar for dollar, like you just said, uh, I, I would be hard pressed to show you anything that would give you a better value. And, uh, you know, I'll be a little, I'll be a little, uh, what do you call it here? It's, it's great that it's an American car. It's great that we did this car as opposed to somebody else. It's nice to know that Chevy and General Motors can turn out a car that everything doesn't fall off of. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, not only, you know, does it have that great kind of value for money and it's got the good range and I mean, it's, it's, it's a comfortable car. You can, I've thrown kids in car seats in the back of it and it's, you know, absolutely fine. But the other thing to note about it is the way that we really looked at charging is our data team looked at um, basically miles per hour of charging at level two. And so the bolt will give you 27.8 miles of range per hour of charging at a level two charger. The Mach-E will give you, you know, 26.1, which is pretty good, but you look at like the Nissan Leaf, which is the other, you know, kind of well-known affordable EV, it only gives you 18.6 miles of range per hour of charging on a level two charger. And so that to me is kind of like, that's, you know, it's almost a, almost a 10 mile difference. Um, and it's overall range is, is less as well. Um, and so it's like the bolt really threads that needle for being an EV that's affordable and easy to live with. And you're not just going to kind of, you know, hate your life while you're waiting for it to charge or while you're driving it around town. Yeah, and it's really, uh, I think it's really good that um, one of the great things about when I was uh, when I was driving a Mustang Mach-E around uh, a couple of weeks ago is that they've now, uh, you know, uh, Electrify America, which I think is the, that has the big green uh, chargers with the neon lights in them, seem to be putting them next to every Target store. <laughs> so if you can figure out your trip, you know, this is, listen, these electric cars, it cars for people that know how to plan a little bit. That yeah. That's really what, it, it's not just jumping and go, it's okay, I'm going here, here, and here. Is there a charger here, here, and here? And okay, uh, let's put that together and I can go to Target, I can go to here, I can go to there. Those chargers seem to work um, as good uh, or better than any other charger that I've, that I've seen out there. Yeah, it's too, you know, you say that for people who need to plan, but like, if you think about daily life, right, and if you've got your, if you're able to just plug your phone in at night, you can plug your car in at night. Like that's, that's not something you're going to forget to do. And if you've got something like a Bolt, which has, you know, nearly 260 miles of electric range, and you're just out and about for the day, what are the odds that you're going to drive, you know, more than 200 miles? Like right. they're, they're pretty low. Um, and so, yeah, you might, if you're going out on a day trip, you might have to plan, but, you know, as you're seeing these charging stations, you know, getting put in at Target or getting put in at Starbucks, you know, those are places where you might want to stop anyway. Um, we're seeing some go in at parks. So if you want to take, you know, a, take a break and stretch your legs out, um, but it does take a little bit more kind of route planning. Um, and then, you know, also using the apps for the various charging networks to make sure they're up. So, I mean, this is one of my biggest pet peeves is when I show up at a charging station and it's broken. Um, that just always makes me so angry because oh. then you're looking for the next one. Um, but, you know, you can usually, usually somebody will report it as broken on, you know, on the app um, for that network, but it really, it takes a little bit of trip planning, but for your daily life. So for example, you know, when I, you know, pre-pandemic, when I was going into the office, I've got a, you know, 26 uh, mile round trip commute. That's totally doable on an electric car. Even if I'm running my kids, you know, to and from soccer practice after work, like I'm still not going to drive more than a hundred miles a day. And so as long as I can get, you know, 150 miles in range and overnight charge, an EV works perfectly well, um, you know, for my daily life. And I'm pretty sure that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty typical as far as, you know, working moms go. 
So I think, you know, what people don't realize is an EV will work for your daily life, you know, maybe not for that super long car trip you take, you know, twice a year. Um, but for your daily life, you can really bring down your carbon emissions by, you know, getting that EV, using it in your day to day. And if you've got a long trip, you know, rent a gas car um, and, you know, you keep your emissions low that way. What, what, and we're talking to Jamie Page Deaton from U.S. News and World Report. Give me a little bit of a rundown then of what the top cars were. in Because I know you did a, a few different categories, especially in the SUVs, because that's where I think people may have, especially if you're thinking about taking your SUV off-road or you're off the grid in a cabin or something like that or a school bus or something like that. Maybe that's kind of uh, you know a place where there might be a lot of hesitancy because what if I get up into the woods and I can't get back? Yeah. So that actually, and it's so weird too, though, because, you know, I think an EV would be great in the woods because it'd be so quiet. You're not going to be disturbing a lot of nature. Um, but our best, so we really did the best hybrid SUV because right now there aren't a lot of really good plug-in hybrids. Um, there are some electric, some EV SUVs. They tend to be very expensive. Um, so our best luxury EV was uh, the Tesla Model um Model Y, which is, you know, it's more of a crossover than a full-on SUV, but the Ford Escape Hybrid was our best hybrid SUV. Um, and this is one too, where, you know, you're not getting a lot of, you know, all electric range out of it because it's just a hybrid, but you're getting 41 MPG. Um, and that is really incredible because I remember a couple of years ago and, it, you know, not that long ago where we were getting really excited um, to get, you know, 40 MPG in just like a Mazda 3. Right. And so the fact that you're able to get it in a comfortable SUV, you know, the Escape Hybrid, it can't handle heavy duty off-roading, but it can certainly get you farther off-road than, you know, a Hyundai Ioniq can. Um, and it's great, you know, it's a great family car. It's comfortable. You can throw your dirty, you know, your dogs in the back. Um, you know, you put a roof rack on it. Um, and it also is, you know, relatively affordable too. I mean, it starts at $27,600. Um, $27, um, and so it really, you know, is something where, um, you know, you're not going to be spending a huge price premium for a hybrid. And again, that's before any kind of, you know, tax, tax incentive or anything like that. Um, but it really is just um, a good hybrid that's not, you know, it's going to help you lower your emissions, particularly if you do a lot of um, driving and stop and go traffic where the battery pack can take over and the electric motor can take over. Um, but it's just going to help you lower your emissions a little bit, like, and, you know, and save a lot on gas because you'll be getting 41 MPG combined. The, the luxury cars too seem to uh, have, uh, especially Audi, Lexus, uh, which is of course a part of Toyota, um, have really migrated toward this and kind of led the way in some of this stuff. The Audi e-tron is the one that really kind of comes uh, uh, to my mind uh, is electric and also in the hybrid category, the, the one that you pick out here is the A7 Audi, which is a spectacular car, whether it's gas, electric, or Fred Flintstone is running under the hood. Uh, it's just, just a phenomenal car. Um, are these, um, when, when you look at the luxury end, is that where they're making a lot of their bones now uh, in, in these cars? And by that, I mean, uh, are these the profit centers for these cars right now with, uh, with consumers? Yes. I mean, what we've kind of seen here is, you know, a lot of people will frame buying an EV or a plug-in hybrid or a hybrid as an economic choice. But what it really turns out is um, that it's really just about, they really appeal not necessarily to budget conscious buyers, but to early adopters. So the people who are willing to spend, you know, a thousand bucks for an iPhone and that kind of thing. And so they tend to be, you know, highly educated, high income buyers and luxury car manufacturers, knowing that, you know, a concern about climate change, and the environment correlates with kind of higher income, higher education, they're so, they're flooding that market with a lot of options, which is why you see, you know, if looking at like the list of available, you know, plug-in hybrids, the list for luxury plug-in hybrids is way longer than the list for affordable hybrids. The list for luxury EVs is way longer than the list for affordable EVs. Um, and it's the same with hybrids as well. Um, and so, you know, if we look at, you know, the, the Audi A7, this is Audi making a play for a buyer who might otherwise go for, say, a Tesla. Yeah, the A7, it's, it's a plug-in hybrid, um, but, you know, you're able to get 24 miles of electric only range. Um, and then once the gas engine kicks in, you get a, you know, an MPG combined score of 29 MPG, but that EV only range, again, like if, if you're like me and you've got, you know, a 26 mile round trip commute, I can drive in in the morning, 
my office has a charging station there. I can plug it in for a couple hours in the office and then drive home, you know, on electric range and then still have enough electric range left to, um, you know, run errands at the grocery store and then come home and plug it in at night. Um, but what I really like about plug-in hybrids and why I'm like a, a big fan of them is because they're, if I'm on a long trip, I don't have to worry about finding a charging station. Sure, I'll do my first 26 miles on electric only. Then the gas engine's going to kick in and I'm good to go. Um, and I think that appeals again kind of to if you want to on your daily life have an EV or have a car that acts as an EV and the emissions of an EV, but you still want that backup engine because you're worried about finding a charging station, like a plug-in hybrid is the way to go. And if you're a luxury buyer, you have so many options in this range. And the great thing about it too is if you're a performance-oriented buyer, right? You know, you've got all that torque on demand. And so the A7 um, plug-in hybrid is going to drive better than the gas-only A7. You know, the plug-in hybrid Volvo yeah. S60 drives better than a gas S60 because it's just so quick off the line. You've got all that torque. Um, and so it's, this is one of those classes where if you're going to shell out for an A7 anyway, just get the plug-in hybrid. Like it's kind of a no-brainer there. Yeah, live a little. <laughs> exactly. Live a little and, you know, preserve the planet a little, too. Exactly. Is there a, and we're, we're getting toward the uh, toward the, the end here, but um, is there one car on the list that surprised you or one, and, and one car that surprised you didn't make it onto the list of the best? So I was really surprised um, that the that the Hyundai Ioniq plug-in uh, beat the Prius Prime just because the Prius and the fact that the Prius didn't win any of these awards um, because the Prius is, you know, the granddaddy of hybrids. It wasn't, you know, the first hybrid in the American market, but it was, you know, pretty close. Um, so it, the fact that the Prius didn't win any, I think really just shows how everybody else has upped their game when it comes to electrified models. And, um, you know, Toyota now, um, is playing catch up in a lot of cases. I mean, they've got the RAV4 hybrid, they've got the Prius Prime, um, but they don't have kind of the range that say like Volvo or Audi does, um, or even, you know, Lexus, um, the uh, ES hybrid one for best luxury hybrid, but it is just, um, you know, Toyota has a lot of catching up to do there. Honda has a lot of catching up to do there. These are the two brands that introduced hybrids to the United States. And now they're behind, you know, Volvo, um, they're behind BMW in a lot of cases. And so, you know, and they're behind Hyundai, they're behind Kia, they, and they're behind Ford and they're behind GM. Um, so all, so, you know, this is really an area where if you'd asked me 10 years ago, who would be the big players, I would have said, you know, Toyota and Honda, and I would have been dead wrong. Um, so that's really my biggest surprise there um, with, with kind of these awards. And it'll be interesting to see, I know Toyota and Honda, they're planning on stepping up their game, but honestly, like the pack is really far ahead. So it'll be really interesting to see how they do. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fascinating. It fascinates me not only because I live in Seattle and this is you know uh, a place where people I think are more accepting of these kind of cars than if you're in like Des Moines, Iowa, or something like that. I think you have a better uh, a better shot, and, and I think that uh, it's just fascinating to watch um, companies that weren't players, and even in the case of GM, who actually uh, you know, backtracked, we all, for, you know, a lot of people don't even know about the EV1, which mm -hmm. was GM's original electric car way back in, uh, in the 90s. And now uh, we're, we're looking at people coming up and saying, well, we're not going to make internal combustion engines anymore after a certain date. And uh, it's really, it's just a fascinating part of the, uh, I'm, I'm glad we're living through this time because I almost feel like we're living through what it must have been like back in uh, the, the, the 1890s and the 1900s when, you know, carriage makers in their garages were building cars and every, you know, you could, if somebody uh, almost in every city had a car manufacturing plant. Oh, yeah. And this is, I think, you know, aside from that, you know, the early 1900s, late 1800s, this is the most transformative time um, for the automotive industry. We're going to see a wholesale shift in powertrains and a wholesale shift, not just, you know, I don't think we'll see like a shift in mobility where we're going to be doing a lot of car sharing because just as Americans, we like our cars. And also we live in really spread out environments where, you know, a lot of kind of shared mobility doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But electrified mobility, particularly if we can get the infrastructure in there um, and just, uh, you know, have the shift from electric cars. I mean, I just, in 2016 was the last time that I bought um, a new car and that's probably the last 
gas powered car that I will buy, or at least the last gas only car that I'll buy. Um, and just thinking like my kids, uh, they probably won't learn how to drive on a gasoline powered car. It's going to be like, um, you know, I used to have a 74 Corvette and it's not, you know, that different from what I learned to drive on. But, you know, the fact that like the high beams were on the floor and you had to like, you know, tune the carburetor a little bit on cold mornings. That's what it's going to be like for my kids to drive a gas car. It's going to be a totally different shift or a totally different you know, mindset for them. Um, and so that I think is to be living in this time, I think is really exciting um, just to see that change. Um, and I can't wait for, you know, my old Toyota 4Runner to be, you know, an antique and worth a ton of money just because <laughs> it's got a gas engine. I'll tell you what, if you want, if you want to have some fun sometime and you're not doing anything, just go to any one of the uh, Corvette forums or Facebook Corvette groups and just, just drop the words electric Corvette um, I know. <laughs> yeah, I prefer not to get inflamed, but just think about how great an electric Corvette would be. I mean, you look at like, you know, the, the Porsche take, and I mean, and like Porsche's saying, oh, we're never going to do an electric 911. I'm like, why not? I want all that on-demand torque, like perfectly balanced. Like it would be insane to have an electric Corvette, but yeah. you know, maybe, <laughs> but the purists might not like it. But then again, you look at the Mustang Mach-E and purists hated the idea, but man, once they get behind the wheel, they love it. So and life changes, you know, go to a baseball game at the 10th inning. They got some guys standing on second base. So, you know, yeah. Life changes, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jimmy, how do people um, uh, once again find this on the Internet? You go to cars.usnews.com. We've got award pages there. You can see our full rankings. You can look up the entire slideshow of um, the best hybrids and EVs for this year. Um, and, you know, we do this every, I'm really, I got to say too, I'm really excited for next year because 2022 is when a lot more EVs are flooding the market. You know, Volkswagen will be putting a bunch out. Um, and so that's when, you know, we'll see, you know, some more from some other car makers. So this is really the crest of the wave of EVs coming out there and, you know, plug-in hybrids and things. So it's a great time to be in the market. And if you are in the market, look at some of these electrified vehicles because you're not going to be disappointed. Jamie Page Deaton, thank you so much for spending some time. It's fun uh, talking to you, and let's do it again real soon. All right, thank you. Take care. All right, Jamie Page Deaton from U.S. News. Uh, CarsUSNews.com is where you can find their reviews and uh, a lot of their good stuff that uh, they uh, print. Uh, and also they do a, a car program as well if you want to buy a car. Uh, they have discounts and dealers and everything like that that you can look at. Great resource uh, for people that uh, are looking to buy a car. Quick break here. We'll come back with the cartoon right here on Drive Time. 1956 Nash, Thursday, November 17th. It's the world's finest travel car. Built for the long run, designed for the most fun. Nash is a long-distance car. November 17th, see the greatest travel cars ever built. The beautiful new Nash Ambassador and Statesman. Brilliant new beauty, blazing new power, exclusive new travel features. They're years ahead of all other cars. The new 1956 Nash, Thursday, November 17th at your Nash dealers. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. Well, let's get right to the cartoon of the week. Uh, they are the Willis Brothers. They're a Country Western band. I heard this song and I said, we got to play it on drive time. It's a song about a U-turn. Here's your Saturday morning cartoon. Right, there you go, the Willis Brothers. And uh, give me 40 acres. A car about a song about uh, turning, turning it around. <laughs> a big truck. And that's your cartoon of the week here on drive time radio brought to you because Let's face it, cars and music go together better than uh, coffee and milk, coffee and sugar, bread and butter. Uh, they're, they're 
They go with each other. So thank you to the Willis brothers for that. Many other people have done that song as well. Boxcar, Willie, a um, bunch of different people. But I love the Willis brothers version of that back from 1964. All right, time now for uh, the drive time road test. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, last week we spoke at length about the uh, Mercedes-Benz GLB uh, 250. Uh, it's a, a compact luxury SUV. And I, just how much I thought this car was a, a, a really great effort from Mercedes-Benz. And listen, I know it's popular to knock Mercedes-Benz these days and say, well, it's, uh, it doesn't do this and the, the quality isn't what this and that. I'm sorry. There's something about when you get into a Mercedes-Benz that um, truly sweeps you off your feet if you are a car person. It, there's something about uh, the way that they build these cars, the feeling of luxury that the, uh, in the DNA of these cars, the history of uh, the Mercedes-Benz. Uh, it's just so similar. You know, it's something that, that Cadillac has lost and is trying to get back. And Mercedes-Benz uh, really, in many ways, I don't think ever lost it. Yeah, they had some lean years, some rough years, uh, but they have still maintained this certain aura about this car. And this GLB, if you're looking for a, uh, you know, if you don't want the expansive, huge, you know, a Chevy <clears throat> Suburban Tahoe, you know, a body on frame, construction uh you know and all that space and all that fuel consumption uh the the mercedes glb gives you a really nice alternative uh in luxury and when i say luxury i don't mean high dollar as much as i do finely done materials uh a high tech connectivity all the things that you look at in a car and say these days i want that in the car uh, there are, you know, this particular car from the outside, it's a very sharp looking car. Uh, it is uh, uh, designed, it has the Mercedes, uh, you know, style to it that is unmistakable. You, you, you look at it and you know you're not driving anything else but a Mercedes. When you slip on, you know, it's got a high roof. And uh, I think for people, especially if you're tall or especially if you like a lot of space, uh, it's almost deceptive how big this car is inside, how easy it is to get in and out of, and how comfortable and how well-adjustable uh, the seats are in this car. I mean, I drove this car down to the beach, down Ocean Shores and back, and it was a pleasurable uh, drive in this car. It really did, and I had the, uh, the, the four-wheel drive version, the Formatic, um, <clears throat> that um, it just felt like it, uh, it it was there was lots of room, lots of space, easy to touch the controls or to move them around. Uh, the only thing I didn't like is this car suffers from the same thing that Lexus does. They have that that touchpad in the middle of the console, and if you drop a wire on it, or if your sleeve rub, you know rubs against it, it, can, it changes your radio station. Maybe it knocks your uh, um, the navigation system off and changes it to something else. Uh, that's something that they have to look at. I don't know why they have to have this type of touchpad in the car. When you're standing still, it works nice. When you're driving, it can be a real pain in the butt. But other than that, uh, the interior in this car is spacious. It's roomy. When you fold the back seats down, you have a, a voluminous, uh, a, space in there. Uh, I actually turned the car around at Ocean Shores and camped in it uh, on uh, uh, last uh, weekend, and it was comfortable. It was uh, very, uh, you know, expansive in the back. And again, I'm a big guy, so you know that there's certainly, uh, you know, if it's a smaller car, I might be out of luck when it comes to camping, although I did camp inside of a Honda Fit once. That was an interesting time. I'll tell you about that sometime. Um, as far as the high-tech stuff, it's all there. 
uh, from the hotspot, the connectivity to or wherever you go in the maps, the nav, uh, the Apple CarPlay, the Android, it all connects up. It all does it seamlessly. And I think in Mercedes, maybe it does it more seamlessly than many other cars. As far as the way the car handles, the way the car drives, it's got a 21 horsepower turbocharged four uh, with the four wheel drive system. It has the, um, now you can get a uh, an AMG version of this that's 302 horsepower if you want to go uh, a little quicker, if you want to be snapped back into your seat a little further. But um, both of them are excellent cars and give you good response. Handling on these cars is phenomenal, like you expect from Mercedes-Benz. Um, the mileage figures on these, uh, 23 in the city, 31 on the highway. Uh, if you go to the uh, all-wheel drive models, I think it dips down a little bit. And I got fairly close to that um, in, in the trip down and back. Uh, I'll go back to talking about the um, the handling of this. It's, uh, it, it's so easy to park. I mean, it just zips right into a space. Uh, going around curves, uh, going up the, some of the windy roads along the coast, it really gave you... Um, it, you know, gave you a solid planted feeling uh, that you could take this car at speed limit up the coast uh, and and feel good about it. In wet weather, uh, which we didn't have too much of it, but in wet weather, it performed as well, uh, as good as well. Tight turning radius on this, great brakes. Maron, the brakes were great on this car. I loved them. Uh, it's nice. And plus when you slap this thing into sport mode, it really grew, a, you know, grew a little, um, uh, a lot of, it made it a lot of fun to drive. But just by hitting that switch, drop it down. And the one thing I loved about this car, and I'm such a geek sometimes, is it has this great ambient lighting system <laughs> that I'll, I'm going to put a video up about it on Facebook. <laughs> but I really sat in this car for about an hour and just played with the ambient lighting system. They, they went through a, a series of colors and colors I could invent on my own. And you know, I, it sounds stupid, right? But if you're stuck in traffic, especially at night, and you can change the lights in the car, the mood in the car, it really does light your, light your mood. I mean, it really does give you something that really kind of sets a different tone than the bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic that you're sitting in. And I thought it was great. So uh, this car, $52,000, I think it was, as I tested it. It's not, I, I wouldn't buy this car if I was going to tow much of anything, to be honest with you. But other than that, Mercedes-Benz GLB 250 was a fantastic car. If you're in the market for that smaller SUV, you certainly should uh, peruse this car, run your fingers over the fine fit and finish, and consider it if you're in the market for that. That will put this edition of Drive Time into the books. We thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, of course, to our good friend George Jackson who helps this show come to you and to everybody who listens uh, as well as my good friend Keith. Keith, call me. I know you're listening. Call me, man. Let me know what's going on. I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much, Nathan, for making it all happen. See you Monday with Mikey, if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise. <laughs>